It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up. What's up, everybody? Ears up. Podcast. We are back in the studio and uh, we're continuing the tradition of the nine old men and hopefully we'll be done sometime in 2028. We'll see. I don't know. There are only nine more men. There's only, yeah, there's only nine. We're going to go through and do their wives next. <laughs> the wives of the nine old men and how they all coped with the insane drinking. That's perfect. And, uh, you know, and then the children's the whole thing. We're transitioning our young podcast. Men and, you know, other other men that we can talk about. Mostly men. That's right. This is a man podcast right now. It's <laughs> going to be called Young Men. And it's just about everybody who's ever lived but as young men. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Harriet Tubman, young man. Who cares? Doesn't matter. We're gender bidding oh, the wow. whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're flipping it. All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, you know, what do I care, right? No, who are we talking about today? Eric, you are, since Terrence left, you are de facto young man expert. Which I don't know. I don't know if that's how that sounds to anybody, but uh, I like it. I'm more of an old man expert than a young man expert, and tonight we're talking about Wooly Ritherman. (laughs) I heard that they're uh, they're recreating him from from DNA that they extracted from the tundra. Yes, yes. Oh no, it's Uh, Wooly Mammoth. Sorry, never mind. Well, they left out the tusks. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. just ask Jurassic Park how that worked out. You just modified it. They can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Can't hurt yeah. us. Yeah. Frog DNA. Um, exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> Which is the dumbest plot hole in the entire universe. Because like, <laughs> oh, we just use frog DNA. So, I mean, you mean to tell me that genetic scientists, like DNA experts in the field of DNA and animals didn't know that certain species of frogs can flip their gender to reproduce like they did they didn't have they didn't think about that well we're not sure if dinosaurs are mostly lizards or birds but let's use frog (laughs) i've got a frog right here it happens i feel like that's the only way that you could like bridge the dna gap is just (laughs) use frog dna uh, but breed out the fact that they can't reproduce. But then, well, hey, <laughs> nature finds a way. You know what I mean? Did you guys hear about that stingray? No, I did, but I didn't. Um, I, I they, they they figured out what happened, but I don't know what. I didn't. I follow think it's up like enough. the frog thing. So hmm. so there's a stingray who magically got pregnant. That <gasps> could it was impossible for her to be pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, and now there's a whole religion based around it. Oh gosh, it. there is <laughs> In just, 100 years there's going to be the stingray people. Yeah, there was uh, <laughs> there's does, a lot does of Alabama people. Alabama know? <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I don't really know a lot of the details except that she was like a virgin stingray who got pregnant and yeah. it Classic. was something like para blah blah something Parapsychological? I think paranormal. I, think she somehow they figured out she was able to get herself pregnant hmm. all right yeah none of that explanation helped understand it's some sort story. of phenomenon look Good it up them. you okay. look it up i will look, look it up because now now i'm curious <laughs> speaking of curiosity if you're curious about what the parks look like these days or especially the disney cruises if you've never been on a disney cruise and you want to do that hit up our friends at concierge to go to concierge.com they will plan everything i've never planned a disney cruise i've never really planned a cruise the only one i've been on was for work and it was just like show up and make a video okay and then you know drink a lot of newcastle brown ale but uh which i did and it was great but I, I would like a great plan. It was it was pretty good, honestly. Um, you know, I had to do the whole video by myself, but uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I, I, c- I can imagine planning a Disney vacation or a Disney uh, cruise 
is kind of stressful because as much as there is to do in the parks, there's probably, you know, a third of that to do on the cruise ship, which maybe doesn't, the fraction doesn't really sound like a lot, but you know, you're in a confined space. There's a ton of stuff to do on these cruise lines. And I could imagine not having the time or the, the brain power to go and figure out what, what it is to do and, and, and when to do it and, and how to do it and where you're going and where you're staying. And I just want to, I just, I'm so babied right now with concierge. <laughs> I just kind of want to, you know, if we ever use them to actually, you know, go through with a trip, it's going to be great. All I have to do is go, Hey, Jimmy, this is when I want to go. Here's my credit card. Tell me when I tell me when the things are going to be. I'm going to be playing Hell Divers 2 until you wake me up until it's time to go. That's what's going to happen. So if you want to check that out, go to concierge.com. If you want to be like me, which who doesn't, honestly. <laughs> so is Hell Divers 2 good? I I don't really know a lot about it. I've I've heard some good things. It is know. it's good. The internet would have you believe it's like the second coming of Stingray <laughs> Baby Jesus. It, oh. it, it's not it's not that good. It, tell you what, it's like Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is good. She's not that good. She's above average, way above average singer, performer, songwriter. Like her songs aren't that great if you really think about it. But, In what way? But I think you need are, to clarify because I don't this, need to clarify anything. It's my I, show. No, but the Swifties the, could literally shut down this show. Like I they think, are very powerful. Honestly, they would be doing me a favor. <laughs> You know, they would just come stand behind me and put a stiletto heel right in the back of my neck and I'm done. That's it. I think what you're out. saying is that her, maybe like her lyrics are can be simple. Is that what you're getting I at? Think because I, I think her songs can be simple. I think all of her songs. The production value on her songs are, is pretty good. Some of the beats and, and, uh, and the, the backing stuff is pretty good. But overall, it's just sort of, in my opinion, generic kind of pop music but why she's popular is because she herself is marketable she's she's the product not her songs that's my opinion on it her songs are easy to sing they're easy to get stuck in your head and they're easy for people to sing along with and that's and that's it. i don't think they're particularly great but they're you know they're good but you like so you're saying i should check out this new artist when her movie drops on disney plus in a few weeks yes well her yes well she just won a big award in uh, las vegas actually too i can't remember what it was it's a it's like a trophy thing so she won that and that's pretty wait, good. wait wait explain what's what's las vegas uh it's a place where oh okay. yeah and um, that's a place for trophies okay that's right We're yeah good. so there's that anyway i don't know whatever um so hell divers 2 is like is like the taylor swift of video games it's good it's not as amazing as everyone as everyone wants it to be, but it's fun. That's my opinion. Okay. Yeah. More Disney Dreamlight Valley for me. It's better than Disney Dreamlight Valley. I haven't touched that in I don't know how long. It's a great thing to play while you're watching the news in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to Stingray Charlotte. Okay. Uh, oh, this, yes. This oh, is, we have a name now. <laughs> yes. Nice. Her, her name is Charlotte, and she is from an aquarium in Northern Cal North Carolina, and in her tank, there was never um, a male stingray. So at first, people were very confused, and she was found covered in shark bites, which is a sign of mating in sharks, which initially led some to speculate that a shark was the father and that Charlotte's oh baby would be a shark-stingray hybrid. But research scientists basically said, um, we need to set the record straight that there aren't some shark-ray shenanigans happening here. Like, that's literally impossible. And so I guess what they've determined has happened is it's some kind of, um, where did that go? Um, shark stingray hybrid. It's a parthenogenesis, which is a rare form of asexual reproduction observed in some fish, birds, insects, and amphibians. Nice. 
So not not a shark stingray hybrid, and and that's too bad. But she, she did get herself pregnant. The chimera no. we've been waiting for. Uh, apparently, the our, chat is our not stingray happy. overlords. No, and this is what I was telling you. You yeah. can't. It's not that you can't. And this is why I was trying to um, explain further what you're saying because the way that you just described it, if I were listening, I'd be like, "Oh, he doesn't like her." That's not. That's not true. You actually do like her. I don't mind her. I wouldn't call myself a Taylor Swift fan, but like some of the songs I like. Yeah. See, yeah. Um, okay. I Sarah think you would say her, that about anything. Her music is amazing because of how it makes you feel and and be seen and understood. And you know, I think from a very uh, from my from my standpoint, I haven't experienced a lot of these things, so I don't you know it, I don't resonate with it. I understand. Look, I understand why it resonates with people. I'm not saying she's bad. For me, I think she's she's just um, above. She's an above average singer songwriter, but she's very marketable. And that's what you need to, to, to make it in the world. She's very good at what she does. She uh, puts on good shows. And uh, she's very, I think more than anything, she's relatable. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's what Sarah's kind of saying too. It's like she, she, people can relate to her. She can be very, uh, she doesn't seem like the world's hottest thing right now. She just seems like, you know, she kind of just lumbers along <laughs> and like goes to the zoo mm-hmm. and, you know, she just does normal stuff and people really relate to that. I think that also helps with that mythology. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, she's, you know, her songs don't, they're not amazing. Well, I don't know if you've listened to a lot of the lyrics of a lot of the songs. You hear just a lot of the popular ones in this house. But no, I, I'm too busy being locked in the closet screaming while the uh, songs are on. But I will say, I, I think also her songs are relatable. And that's part of it. It's not just yep. her personality. She literally writes every single song. And I think, and, and I was telling you this the other day, like I was, I'm only a recent um, fan of hers um, because I couldn't really relate to being a person who's 41 years old. I couldn't relate to her music 10 years ago because she was, right. she's young and, and singing about stuff that I d- just didn't really relate to me. But now that she's a little older, She's singing about things that I can actually relate to. So I think she has just um, fans, just all the fans. And I think you're one of them. I think she has fans. That's all what the, Taryn no, said. I said yeah. all the fans. All of them. So Not what album am, am I listening to first? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Any, uh-huh. Anything. Uh, the chat will tell me. Don't worry about it. Let's yeah, let on. the chat tell you. There are so many. Whatever. Who cares? Whatever. She's nice. I think she's really nice. And uh, and I, I every time I see her and Travis Kelsey on my TikTok feed, I smile because I want those two to get married. I want them to buy a sports team and uh, make little influencers. That's what I want. <laughs> Genuinely, that's what I want. I think I know. it's nice. And I, I'm 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 still on the fence on this guy. I don't know. He seems a little douchey. You were like, oh, he, they, she saw him drinking, and then he's that she's not, not late, and then and drinking. then like, and then and like, absol- and then like, he's now in Sydney. I know. So you were wrong. I Let's was. can we do the show, please? Let's do the show. What do you sure. think of that? I don't what, really care what, anymore. Which show are we doing? The Super Bowl wrap up show. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Eric, you know what I liked. Take it away, buddy. Oh, we're just jumping right in there to Willie. Yeah, I mean, what else it's are we going to do? Talk more about Taylor of, Swift. I, I suppose we could. Absolutely. How, how far into the recording are we? Um, uh, it felt like no. four hours, but it's only 13 okay. minutes. Well, let me tell you all about Wolfgang Reitherman. Wooly was one of Walt's nine old men, and he was born as a young man, a very young man. When he was born, he was very young. On June 26th, 1909. That happens. That tends to yeah. happen, yeah. Yeah, it's it's strange. They they All the nine old men have that in common. When nice. they were born, wow. they were not old. I love causality. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, think about it. <laughs> yeah, man. let that sink in, brother. <laughs> uh, June 26th, 1909 in Munich, which at the time was part of the German Empire in the Kingdom of Bavaria. That's how long ago Willie Ratherman was born. <laughs> okay. Wow, just a seemingly uh, an indisputable landscape of calm and, and passivi- passivity. Yep. Nothing that ever was, goes that weird the there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, his family moved to Kansas City, Missouri when he was around two years old. Naturally. And and then moved to Sierra Madre, California. It, when it, I'm going to interrupt you because it amazes me like when like how immigrants go to like to go to places like my family, like my grandpa came from grief from just this podunk village mm-hmm. in Greece to Hayward, California. Like, how do you, <laughs> right. like, where, like, where, you know, you, 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 you come into New York and you keep going until you hit the bay and you go, okay, maybe I'll just stop here. I just, it blows uh, my yeah, mind. It's so weird. kind of big. They yeah. went as far as they could go. You couldn't really go couldn't much Couldn't go any further. farther. We could have gone to Hawaii, but maybe he didn't know it. Maybe. Maybe Hawaii wasn't discovered yet. Kansas City seems like kind of an odd place to stop for a little while. I guess my family stopped in uh, Chicago and the Upper Peninsula of Michigan when they moved from Sweden. Mine too. (laughs) There we go. Weird, man. Um, And, uh, but yeah, so when, uh, according to one account, I haven't really confirmed this, but I I saw it in one place, uh, the family lived very close to Roy O. Disney when he lived in Kansas City. Nice. uh, Before Walt moved out there. In... Woolley's early days, he attended Pasadena Junior College, and he worked as a draftsman for Douglas Aircraft until 1931. He wanted to be a pilot in his early days and then said, you know what, I don't actually want to like build the planes. I don't want to be an engineer. Let me study art. And he went to the Chouinard Institute, where uh, many of Disney's uh, animators came from. And his teacher, Philip Dyke, suggested that Woolley apply to... Disney to work as a as an animator. Willie wanted to be a watercolorist, but when he when he came in, he had his interview, he showed off all of his stuff. Walt said, "Nah, you're an animator," which huh. is another example of Walt saying, "No, no, no. You're no. You, don't do the thing you want to do. Do right. the thing I want you to do." You don't right. know what you're good at. Right. I do. Right. Yeah. And on May 21st, 1933, he started his career at Disney. He was working on shorts, and as Willie states it, he skipped the in-betweener step where most of the artists would begin. Hmm. Uh, so he was doing full-on animation right from the start. And Willie said that was great because uh, he, working as an in-betweener would have killed him with boredom. Uh, for those of you who don't remember some of the, the other times we've talked about Disney animation or any animation, the main animators would do these big beats. And then all of the in-betweeners would come in behind them and draw the little bits of animation that would connect these major story beats. And um, thankfully, Willie got to skip that part because Walt saw something in him. So his first shirt was Funny Little Bunnies. You remember Funny Little Bunnies, don't you? Of course. I just actually watched it before the show. Uh huh. No, right. I've never heard of it. I don't know. Yeah. How about the band concert in 1935? You know that one. No. Is that the Mickey <laughs> short? Uh, no. You know what? No, I'll be got- honest with you. I don't know that I've seen a Mickey short. Oh, okay. I don't well, know that I've... Well, that's not true. In the um, in the Main Street Cinema there, you know, I've gone in and, like, watched uh, those. okay. But I know the Barnyard one, Barnyard Boogaloo or whatever, where he, like, flies the barn, the, the airplane into the barn. Oh. That yeah. one, I can't Is remember pl- anything plain crazy else. Or- Playing crazy. There you go. Yeah. That's it. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, you've ridden on the Silly Symphony Swings at DCA, right? Probably. Okay. Yeah. Let's That's, say yes. Yes. 
That's the band concert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so then I have seen... Yes. Let's just say yes. All right. Well, then, obviously, you know Music Land and Elmer Elephant and many of the other shorts that Wooly was was an animator on. Uh, you have probably seen Snow White, which was <laughs> yes. one of his... He was very honored to work on Snow White. He he drew the magic mirror. Oh, oh cool. Nice. And his take on the magic mirror was he wanted the mirror to be completely neutral. Just a just a neutral voice that would say, here's what's going on. Yeah. So he tried to make the face completely symmetrical and try as he might. He couldn't draw it that way. So finally, he settled on drawing half of the face, folding the paper over and then tracing the other half. Oh, hmm. interesting. And uh, keep the tracing in your head for later. <laughs> but it worked out pretty well. He was a little disappointed that Walt eventually decided to put the smoke effects in front of the magic mirror and some other distortions on on the animation because he spent so much time trying to create this perfect character. I still think it worked out pretty well, but I guess as the guy who drew it, he might have some different feelings. <laughs> it, it did work out well, but I will yeah. say it's she certainly is not neutral. She right. is she sounds mean <laughs> and vindictive. <laughs> So that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's definitely very interesting to see that take on things. Wooly became known for creating perspective and building this blend between comedy and drama in in his work. He did Monster of the Whale and Pinocchio. We'll we'll talk more about some of his his approach toward animation later. He did some work in Fantasia, specifically in the Rite of Spring when the dinosaurs are fighting. And he did some scenes of Timothy, Q-Mouse, and Dumbo. Uh, But then in 1942, he left Disney to join the Army Air Force. Oh, interesting. So whereas many of of Disney's animators stuck around to help dig the the studio out, Jason did a great episode, was that about a year ago, on on the wartime efforts? Probably, yeah. Wooly was one of those guys that left and said, I'm joining the military, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight those Nazis. Hmm. And he did. He earned a distinguished flying cross medal for his missions in Africa, China, India, and the South Pacific. After four years, he had earned the rank of major and was discharged from the military. At that time, he did not go back to Disney. He flew a lot of long passenger flights from California to Asia, where he met a comely young stewardess named Janie. And he married Janie Marie McMillan in 1946 and started having kids. When she was pregnant with their first child, they almost moved to San Francisco. But Walt convinced Wooly to come back. Wow. So 1947, Wooly's back. Which means they were in touch. Oh, yeah. Which means he kept and, in touch with Walt through the whole right. thing. And I'm sure, like, that's the sort of thing. Like, he was one of those people that wasn't, he didn't have this deep friendship with Walt, maybe, but Walt trusted him. And that that carries forward. Walt knew that he would get the work done. He wasn't the fastest animator. He wasn't the best animator. He wasn't the Michelangelo, like we they said of Milt Call. But he got things done, and he did things in an interesting way, using perspective and pacing, and he knew what would make people laugh, and he knew what would make people go, <gasps> Yeah, and so he saying he's the Taylor Swift of animators. There we go. Not the yeah. best... But she gets things done. And that's really <laughs> what matters. I don't know. I'll um, leave that one on the table. I just, I, th- I think it's interesting to like, to leave after four years um, being in the military and then having a whole completely other job. You're still in touch with Walt at some point enough for Walt to be like, hey, I need you to come back. Like, I wonder if it was, 
I don't know. It's interesting, I, I guess. You know, yeah. Walt needed that dependability. He just maybe trusted that Wooly didn't lose it. I mean, that's, I would imagine, drawing and animating, you need to really keep up with that kind of stuff. You know, you're not, not killing Nazis. Um, that's not really going to help you draw your, you know, your little figures. Right. But yeah, he, Walt had that trust in him and wanted him back. So he put his first job back at the studio was animating the Headless Horseman, and specifically the sequence where the Headless Horseman is chasing Ichabod Crane toward the end of that, that short. Mm. Uh, and and Wooly continued. He, he animated key sequences in all of the feature films until Sleeping Beauty. And uh, that's when he kind of stepped up to an animation director. He got more involved in directing than than animation. According to Wooly, he convinced Walt to move forward with Cinderella. He said, it's time to do a feature again. Walt was a little embarrassed by Jacques and Gus, the little mice. He thought they were silly. And Wooly's like, no, let's do it. I think it'll be great. And it worked out. Uh, he stepped up as an animation director. Uh, he directed a lot of the character work in Alice in Wonderland. He was impressed that years later it got more popular because it wasn't a huge commercial success at the time. He said uh, it was very popular, especially among the college kids. Imagine that. I wonder why. That's so weird. (laughs) We'll we'll get down to his style and philosophy. In 1955, in 1959, he was fully directing. Walt had stepped back from animation a lot to work on Disneyland and such. And Wooly was trusted to be the sole director he started out doing individual sequences in some movies like St- Sleeping Beauty and uh, 101 Mel- Dalmatians. But then when he got to Sword in the Stone, he was the first sole director for a Disney feature. Before that, it was always directed by multiple people. But Wooly was trusted to run the entire show. Wow. The animators generally trusted Wooly to get the job done. He did it in a friendly way. He was very collaborative, very supportive, and it, it, it worked. I wonder what that feels like to work for someone <laughs> who is like that or to be like that. That's weird. Right, right. Yeah. Supportive? No, come on. Yeah. Now, things didn't always work out perfectly. When Walt passed, Wooly stepped up and said, hey, we got to continue animation because the studio was willing to shut down animation. They were ready to step back and say, we can just re-release all the classics. <laughs> Good. Every few years. That's cool. We'll make money off of done. those. Wow. Forever. Wow. But Willie stepped up and said, Jungle Book's almost done. And Walt saw most of that. Aristocats, Walt at least said, that's a good concept. Do it. Let's start those. And thankfully, Jungle Book was very well received. It was a huge success. Aristocats was still pretty much a success. And that kind of cemented animation for the next few years where Willie was able to lead the studio for, for a long time. Um, He had three young sons, all of whom played Disney characters. Mowgli, Christopher Robin, Wart from Sword in the Stone. He brought his kids in to (laughs) do all of these young voice roles. Yeah, because he's seen those residual checks. That's amazing. You know what I mean? Grandkids are probably going to college based on those residual (laughs) checks. (laughs) Right. So Willie continued on until he had some creative differences during Fox and the Hound, where he stepped back. He was still involved in animation for a long time. His last feature that he was involved with was The Black Cauldron. Okay, ending on a low note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Still kind of cool if you haven't seen it in a while. I haven't but... seen it yet. Actually, I've never seen it. Oh, really? I keep never. meaning to watch it. I've never seen it. It's, yeah, I've never seen it. It's dark. It, I wish I could have seen it the way it was before Katzenberg came in and said, let's edit this. And they're like, you can't edit an animated movie that way. <laughs> you can't just cut stuff out and reshoot it. Watch me. 
<laughs> right. Now, Woolley's style and philosophy is is really well laid out by Andreas uh, Deja, who wrote the book The Nine Old Men. Um, he has he has a, a a a blog that he's been doing for years. He was another Disney animator who really focused on the on the Nine Old Men in particular and the history of Disney animation. Um, so I've got a lot of quotes from Deja and from a lot of other animators that Wooly worked with over the years here, describing how he got things done. Um, I should have bought this book sooner. Please seek it out. I'll hold it up here for the camera because you know some people might might watch this. The Nine Old Men. It's it's less a a documentary sort of style as a biography and more a look into the art style of each of these Hmm. these people and how they built things and how they approached animation there's there's multiple pages where it's just image after image so you can kind of compare the those major beats as they go through and see how these guys approach things differently that is a little more interesting i think than like you know uh, he went to high school and one time he fell (laughs) and the gym teacher said you get up and that really motivated him for the rest Uh, you know that i don't resonate with um but figuring out how stuff worked and especially i think why people still gravitate towards the nine old men is because they developed all these things Mm -hmm. they redefined the industry and they had to figure it out. Just like the reason why Disneyland, I think, is so popular. One of the reasons is because all this was new at the time. Yeah. We all had to figure it all out. Imagineers had to figure it out. And that's why they're all revered is because they had to come up with stuff. Right. And nowadays, they just recycle everything. Yeah, Fine. They- whatever. Well, <laughs> speaking of recycling, we'll get there. Nice. But anyway, Wooly's main style, like the things that he was known for amongst the other animators, he was slower. He was, he was very deliberate. He wasn't the guy that would crank out a ton of animation in a day, like somebody like Ward Kimball, but he understood emotion, he understood pacing, and he understood perspective. So this guy, when it comes to the, the you know, the the magic mirror, he understood what it took to create that type of blank emotion in a face. It needs to be stoic. It needs to be symmetrical. That's what I want to do. But he also animated Goofy mm. multiple times, um, and and did a lot of these comedic effects that he he loved doing comedic things and he loved doing action sequences. So he understood facial work to express emotion. He always knew when to give a beat for the audience to laugh. When Goofy did something particularly funny, he'd give them pause. When there was an action sequence, he knew to pause for just a moment to let people breathe and go, oh, wow. There are, oh, there are thinking about the, the Goofy shorts I've seen, uh, probably all of them, because um, <laughs> he's better than Mickey. Um, there is that, there is that sort of timing. There's that breath. There's that beat of like, here's what happens. And you let the audience figure out what happened. And you give goofy, like a weird look or a bewildered look or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it kind of like accentuates it a little bit, but yeah, I guess I never really, I don't know. Uh, you never really think about how those things develop, which again, back to the book that actually sounds really interesting because, because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And it, the the third thing that he really brought was perspective. So he could have Goofy swing a fishing pole toward the screen and it would get bigger toward you like a real camera. He could have the dinosaur's tail and Fantasia swing toward you and get bigger and then sweep back and get smaller. Monster of the Whale is enormous, like this massive whale crashing against rocks at the end of Pinocchio. It brings so much drama to it. And some of the other animators didn't didn't get that because they're used to, you know, squiggly arm Mickey going, hey, everybody. (laughs) And that's, you know, that's bringing 
in this realism that's still animation to the entire experience. Uh, so some of the other animators would say that Wooly experimented with perspective and movement more than a lot of the other the other guys. And that meant he would send a lot of pencil sketches to the moviola. So have you heard of a moviola before? No. No. The moviola was a device that many of the big animators had in their offices. But essentially it was you could draw things on paper, you could sketch out things or draw things, you know, pretty close to the final product, send it off to the photographer, they would take a bunch of images and they'd rough out a quick film. Hmm. So then you could watch it on the moviola and see the rough movement of the animation and go, that's what I want, or I need to move this over there. And a lot of the main animators would do that frequently. Wooly did it more than anybody because his sketches were largely based on movement at first. So Don Bluth, another Disney animator who went on to leave Disney and form his own animation studio, said that he was impressed that it would take Wooly four or five tries at an animation until anybody other than him could figure out what he was doing. Because his early sketches were just movement. They were lines. And they were body forms. And it was just, how does this move? How do these two dinosaurs fit onto the same screen? What happens when... The tramp bites this this rat. You know, what what how do we do that? And they they would slowly come together over multiple tries, and then suddenly everybody would realize that this was this was the animation, this was the scene. But to Wooly, the characters came like second or fifth to everything else. He had a process, and this is the way he wanted to approach it. He was known for animating comedy and drama with equal flair. One of his favorite scenes was the one I mentioned before, where the Headless Horseman was chasing after Ichabod Crane at the at the climax. He was particularly proud at the times when Ichabod would think he had gotten away. And he'd have this moment where he's he's sighing, and he has a little comedic moment with his horse, like, ha we got out of here. <laughs> and he's he, he, he didn't. So he knew how to pace those action sequences. Wooly once said, nobody's going to worry about a gag's logic as long as it's funny. So case in point, Peter Pan, you've got Captain Hook with Croc at the end of the movie, where Captain Hook is holding open the crocodile's jaws with his legs. Right, scene yeah. that we, we even see in the ride, it's so iconic. And it's kind of silly. It's kind of cartoony, but it's also dramatic. Like it's believable because it's funny, but it's also kind of cathartic because this is the bad guy. He still looks like the bad guy. He didn't turn into a caricature of himself. He's just trying to stay away from this this animal. Yeah, it's like the the bad guy gets humiliated. And right. that's always a good way to end sort of a child's story or a family friendly thing where the, the bad guy doesn't die or the bad guy doesn't get away. But the humiliation of the bad guy is always a good a good resolution. I think that, you know, mm -hmm. that's that's good. And that's a really good point because he learned from that because he he animated the dog fights and the rat fight sequences in Lady and the Tramp, which are mildly traumatic. I mean, Tramp kills a rat right at the end of the movie. And um, it's it's one of those sequences you remember as a kid. You're like, oh, oh, that's scary. And he ended his career by toning down Disney violence and making sure that the characters were still relatable. Uh, they had interesting relationships with each other. They still had funny gags. They still had over-animated comedic villains like Medusa in The Rescuers. As he became a director, he tried to tone things back and say, 
let's maybe not traumatize all the children for the rest of time. These kids are weak. <laughs> they can't take it the way I could. Uh, I was flying through the air. Now, Wooly became known for two major advancements, quote, advancements in animation. One was the Xerox method. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. Let me guess. Yeah, totally original pieces of art that he would stay up all night producing. Well, this was this at least Xerox started out with pencil sketches. And this is something you start to see the first time it was really seen was the short Goliath 2. It continued into Jungle Book, 101 Dalmatians, Fox and the Hound. Think of these movies and how the, the animation style is a little scratchy. The lines aren't as crisp. Okay. And the whole point of the Xerox method was you would take the pencil sketches from the animators and they could put in back like they could put in different colored lines to say, well, here's the backbone of, you know, the 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 hound in this scene and help to kind of show movement for the in-betweeners. But the main idea was they would Xerox the pencil sketches and use those as opposed to the old method of taking a transparency, slapping it on top of a pencil sketch and drawing a clean line. Mm for all of the characters on the screen and then doing the paint method for the color. So they're cutting out the, the clean lines. They're just painting basically onto the Xerox, the, the pencil sketches, and you've got this rougher edge around because animators were so concerned with, this is my method for showing movement. This is, it's a little bit rougher. It's more fluid, but it's not as refined. But it cuts out a major chunk of time and effort and expense in the middle of the process. And this is something that happened before Walt was gone. Nobody really liked it, but it did <laughs> save on on the production because some of these the the early movies cost so many millions of dollars to produce, and this is all hand drawn animation. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of cells of animation being hand drawn. That's tons of people. The the studio was enormous, so to cut on costs because they weren't making the same money they were, they had to cut back. And thankfully, things like Jungle Book hit, where the animation style wasn't as clean, but the songs were there, the story was there, the the pathos was there. The action was there. It still worked. And that's kind of what carried the studio forward. The other thing that Wooly is probably more reviled for was tracing. Mm, so, that's, where I, that's where I thought you were going with the Xerox method. Mm. Yes. Xerox yeah. method is separate from tracing. Now, and I'm learning this now. So tracing was this, this procedure where you could take old animation scenes that had been preserved and then trace over them. So you could take a scene where Snow White is dancing with the dwarves and translate it into Robin Hood and Maid Marian dancing using the same movements. You're going to trace over them. You're going to you use the same body type and then put the rest of the features on top of it. And you can use this in Aristocats as well. You can use this in Jungle Book, The Rescuers. You can use it in anything because you already spent all this time and effort to animate real people dancing because that's how they learned in the early days was watching videos of film strips of people dancing and sometimes tracing over it to get some of the major beats and sometimes going okay well this is how people move this is a this was a very controversial technique which is actually one of the reasons milt call uh, one of the other nine old men quit the studio he couldn't stand reusing snow white in the rescuers and robin hood he was embarrassed to see classic animation animation used in such a crass way. And he said, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, so I will, let's see, do you have the link yeah. ready-ish? Sure, let's do that. 
so we can probably share the link with everybody, but this this video I think was really well done. It shows the multiple sequences together using a sequence from Robin Hood, the the song about the uh, the fake Prince John, and pulling in sequences from other animated features that use the same exact movements throughout. This is Little John singing a song about the fake King of England, but there's a lot of dancing and movement that's going on that's reused in other sequences. So if you scrub through this video, they post both sides, and you can see the exact same movements. Robin Hood and Snow White is on the screen here. Yeah. So you have the the scene in Snow White where where she's dancing with the dwarves, and then they're all like, you know, three dwarves in a trench coat. Uh, yeah. Dancing with Snow White, and then that's that's reused in uh, Robin Hood as well, and then the scene where in Jungle Book where Baloo is, I mean, yeah, Baloo's dancing, but Baloo is the same character in Robin Hood. Yeah. You can't convince me; pretty, that, I mean, I, it's the same actor. Much. It's exactly it? the same. True, but you don't have to animate the same movements. So there's some there are some uh, original scenes here in the in the whole thing. It's not completely reanimated. So right. if you skip for if you scrub through this particular video. You get to some other scenes from Aristocats and the Rescuers um, where you see those same movements in movies before and after Robin Hood. So it's not just recycling classic animation like Snow White. You're you're carrying this forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, this ha- I, I, I've heard of this before and it's it has to make things so much easier. Yeah, we've talked well, about it a few times and it's it basically looks like Jungle Book and, you know, Snow White are kind of pulled from for for Robin Hood. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to post this. It is interesting. What's particularly interesting is that many people have said, well, it's because all of this happened because they were trying to save money. They were trying to save time. Right. That's what I've always heard. Well, yeah. And that's, that's what a lot of places kind of recycle. What's what I've seen in multiple sources, Floyd Norman, friend of the show. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Floyd Norman has gone on record saying that when he was doing because he was one of his first big gigs was Jungle Book. Uh, he set the record straight and he said that Wooly was a pretty driven. He was a very organized, but he was not an imaginative director. As an animator, he could be imaginative. He could express himself as a director. He wanted to keep things that he knew people would like. So for him, for Wooly, it was easier to reuse sequences that they had spent so much time on in the past. Floyd and other animators have said that new animation would have been faster and obviously more fun for the animators to try to do something new, but Wooly preferred to keep it safe. He wanted to reuse things that they had done before that audiences reacted to because tracing over old animation is is not easy it's slow if you're an animator and you're skilled you know you know movement you want to create things on your own using yeah. old stuff didn't work it seems like it's um oh sh- i just lost my i lost i had a great idea i had a great oh. thought and i lost it oh it seems it seems like he might have been unsure of the of Robin Hood of the story because that's where it seems like all this is come kind of coming from where mm-hmm. they're reusing all this stuff for Robin Hood specifically for the first time and it feels like at least if it was me and if I'm going okay am I going to invest a bunch of time and effort into uh, you know animating new sequences or if I can curb everything know exactly what people are going to want and give the give the same thing that they've liked before to them now that will help this project, you know, succeed a bit more. So to me, it feels like he didn't really respect the project or not respect the project, but didn't really have confidence in the project that this movie was going to be good. And you know I, think what I, mean? that's, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. 
Uh, Milt Call said he met up with a a critic once after after Jungle Book came out, and he this critic had recognized Milt Call was like a little bit worried because he said I knew that these critics knew more about the animation than I did, and I drew the movie. <laughs> right, but. It, this critic came up and said, I recognize that sequence from Snow White. And he was so embarrassed that he and he couldn't defend himself. And he said, yeah, we we reused it. It became a, a major point of contention between uh, between Wooly, Milt Call, Frank Thomas, Ollie Johnston, all of the several of the nine old men really got upset about it. And it was a part of the reason several of them left. Wow. Yeah. Wooly continued working on different things. Um, he was working on a fanta- another Fantasia sequel called Musicana. Uh, he was working on a movie called The Little Broomstick about a young a young witch. I'm going to interrupt you for a second because uh-huh. I, I'm thinking about this, these p- reporters or whatever, whoever discovered that the two movies were the same. Like... That person is the biggest nerd ever because there was no internet to compare those things. Like, who is kidding. sitting there watching the? Holy the, cow! Like, yeah. Who is watching Robin Hood going? Oh my god, that is Snow White and Dopey dancing. Like, who is doing that? I feel like back then it's sort of like the moon landing, where like if they replaced Neil Armstrong coming off of the moon lander. You know, in something else, I don't know. I think you would be. I think you would recognize it. That's how like how impactful Snow White was. Mm. And I feel, be, yeah. and I think if I remember correctly, they released that movie every year, every like five or ten years in the movie theaters. Mm. So it's probably that this critic had seen it relatively recently, as recently as you can. Okay, yeah. that's my thought. Definitely yeah. possible. Yeah, I just I. I- it was rolling but also in my nerd. head. Yeah, yeah for big sure. Nerd. Oh yeah. Like yeah. I just can't imagine ever watching two movies and going, "Hey, that's exactly the same art." Like I don't know, it's so weird because it's actually not, but it's kind yeah, of is. It, I don't know. It's it's nerdier <laughs> than realizing that a lot of the same voices are reused. Like that's more acceptable. You're like, "Wow, this guy's playing a different character or mm-hmm. he's playing a different bear." Yes. <laughs> but it it is it is really sharp and to your point, Taryn, you know, it's not like this person was able to see it a hundred times. Like yeah. we can now, like we can go just put it on repeat over and over again. We could have two screens going and, and right. watching them both at the same time. Yeah. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. this person had to go to the theater. And remember it. But remember also it. they were critics. So it probably, it's probably a little easier to like stick with it. Who, who knows? Well, and I guess the definition but of a yeah. critic is like critiquing. And so mm-hmm. you're probably, you have your eye on every detail. Right. So anyway, that's just weird. Like just Stop. Relax. <laughs> anyway. Well, Willie had, he had some critics amongst the older folks. He had some major allies in the younger animators. Um, Dale Oliver said that underneath his iron crust, Willie was a great <laughs> sensitive man. Iron crust. Now yeah. I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. A lot of people said how it liked how he would help out with their animation. So Ward Kimball actually had who does who basically came up with the main design of Jiminy Cricket with with Mark Davis. Wooly still came in and animated some very key sequences of movement that they couldn't quite get. A lot of these younger animators really looked up to him because he stepped up and took over the studio at a time when Walt wasn't around. Perhaps uh a segment that we need to spend some more time on is... is uh, did Wooly's... Wooly give Walt cancer to take oh over the studio? There we go. Maybe no, no, it's maybe uh... Walt's like, I should really quit smoking. Was like, no. No. Here are these reports I... from from <laughs> Wilson Phillips or whoever the cigarette company is. I just bought you another yeah. carton. Yeah. <laughs> Philip Morris, not Wilson Phillips. Yes, different, yeah. different, uh, different, different tobacco Phillips. manufacturer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, one of his biggest critics was Bill Pete 
who was an animator who left the studio to form Pete's Coffee, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he believes that Wooly stole credit for Cruella Deville, and believed a lot of the other animators stole his work. Uh, he's a whole whole thing. He's a very better man when it comes to Disney animation. Uh, definitely worth a discussion in the future. Nice. I love it. But uh, yeah, whereas other people are saying, oh, no, we work together well with Wooly. It was such a collaborative effort and he would help us with things. This guy's saying, no, he stole my character. <laughs> <laughs> I love and that. Uh, yeah, uh, like I, I mentioned, he, you know, he, he eventually kind of stepped away from directing because he had some clashes with folks. Uh, he he retired in the early 80s. He had his his moments where he got to enjoy his retirement, um, had a lot of great interviews, including a uh, a fun one. I got a lot of good content from uh, now. I can't find the name of the magazine because uh, I moved on to another page. But yeah, like a lot of early like kind of e-ticket sort of magazines where where they they wanted to talk to the old guys because they were they were starting to retire. Well, unfortunately, Wooly died on May 24th, 1985 at the age of 75. Wow. Wow. He, young. Yeah. Yeah. He was in a car crash. He veered off the road, hit a tree just blocks from his home in Burbank. There's a oh. whole article about it in the L.A. Times that does a great review of his life. That's awful. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, but yeah, they, pretty sudden. There's not a lot of information about how that really happened. But yeah, he was. they say he was survived by his wife, Janie, his three sons, three grandchildren. Uh, he was described as, first of all, an actor, second, a story man, and third, an artist. I'd like to end this one on a quote from, from Wooly himself. My work has a vitality and a... I don't give a damn, just try it quality. Nice. <laughs> what does that even mean? That's these old guys are like, I don't know. I just drew it. Just, it yeah, just, I just figured it out. I mean, I didn't have anything to compare it to. So whatever I did was the first effort and that was it. We did Walt it. Walt seemed to like it. <laughs> There's something to be said for like trailblazing where you can just get away with that stuff. Yeah. Where it's like, right. what are you going to compare it to? Right. Nobody else has done this this way before. So is it, did it work? Sure. Is it better than anything else? I don't know. And neither do you. So let's go. Yeah. Yep. Well, very good, Eric. Very good. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Let's do some news. because There's uh, quite a little bit to talk about, and then we'll, uh, we'll get out of here. So uh, hang on, everyone. It's ears up. We'll be right back. Back to ears up, where the opinions never stop. Ever. All right, thanks for hanging around, everyone. Sorry about that blank space, but don't blame me. We have bills to pay. Was Are it, you okay? Was it blank? <laughs> he's he's uh, now Taylor just Swift speaking songs. with Taylor Swift songs. Yeah. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. No, that's so, all right, man. You're the I'm, only one who won't I'm get just, it. I'm just the man. Are you ready for it? Back you to need to what... calm down. <laughs> I did that Evermore. to Alice the other day. Yeah. She, she was <laughs> probably blew her little mind. She was freaking out. She was like she crying was. and mad at me about something. And I just started saying, I was like, you need to calm down. You're being too loud. It made her so much more mad. Oh, I but it, bet. Was, it was so worth it, though. I, what, the one thing I've learned in life is never tell a woman to calm down. No, but yeah. like when you sing Ever. it like Taylor Swift, yeah. like she, her brain didn't know what to do because she obviously was like she knew what I was doing. 
Yeah, but she thought you were probably making fun of her. That's how she is. Yeah, probably. I don't know. But... It might be, she might, maybe you just confused her a little bit, uh, you know, confuse a kid. But sometimes you just have to, you got to take those wins as a parent because it was, it was very fun for me to do <laughs> because oh, yeah. she was like crying about something so dumb. And obviously it's not dumb to her, but like also you need to calm down. You're mm-hmm. being too loud. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Look, man, whatever. What are you going to do? Taylor, Allison Swift. You know what I mean? <laughs> you sure know a lot about Taylor Swift. She's all over my, look, I'm not saying I don't like her. I'm just saying as far as music goes, it's not, it's not the greatest. Well, the chat is saying her popular songs may seem a bit simple, but you should look into folklore and evermore. I don't I know you're to. not going to, yeah. but I'm just saying uh, look, maybe don't make opinions if you haven't. Well, read all her lyrics. I'm, I'm not going to I've never, and I will repeat this, ever sat down and read all of the lyrics from any music <laughs> artist that I like. I've never done that. And I never will do that because I, that's not how I listen to music. Right. I listen to music for the music. And if I hear the lyrics, and to be fair, a lot of my music is, is you know, whatever. So I don't know it. Right. Sure. Um, but it's, um, yeah. So for me, musically, eh. Take it or leave it. It's fine. I'm sure the lyrics are beautiful. Uh, I know she's talented. I'm not saying she's not talented. You just say above average. It's just not, my, it's just, I don't know. There are a lot of musicians out there. So being above average is kind of like saying, you yeah. know, we've got a podcast that 80 people listen to. And and according to stats, they're like, mm, well, you're above average. You're above average. That's right. <laughs> we are technically above average. Not that we have 80 listeners. We have 104 <laughs> active in the chat. I'm just joking, everybody. Quiet down, chat. So many people. Please join the chat next time, listeners. <laughs> or don't. I don't really care. You won't be drowned out by the 104 other people. Yeah. We have BFFs in the chat. Yeah. Always. True. I like the chat. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're doing some of, uh, of uh, this. March in the past, present, and future with all the news that's fit to cover. It's the Ears Up Disney News. Look, like I saw a video today where uh, Taylor's in Sydney and she like leans out the side of her friggin' limo and like yells at this kid because she likes her shirt. This kid's like eight and the kid has like a 1989 shirt on and was like, you know, hey, you want to get a picture? And the kid was like, great. And like made this little kid today. I'm like, you don't see Beyonce doing that. You don't see like the largest stars in the world do that. She's the largest pop star in the world right now yeah in the world undeniable undebatable and she still does this kind of like outreach stuff you can call it performative i don't really think so i'm not that cynical when it comes to her because she comes off as very folksy Mm -hmm. which is her charm she's very charming in a in a relatable way where um any other any other singer songwriter in the in the spotlight any actor you don't get that there's nobody who has puts on a vibe that's that popular that still has a vibe of like I'm 18 and I'm, here's my song. You know what I mean? That's the nice. accessibility, yeah. The accessibility is there too. Yeah, for sure. Relatability, 100%. And what's interesting is you haven't even seen the documentary of uh, hers on Netflix. No, I don't need Netflix. to. I, I don't need to don't, fall more in love with her. I know Taryn. you don't need to, but yeah. like, that's where I was like, oh, wow, she's like super, she's just like a real person. She's like, she's like your best friend, you know? Like, yeah. But you haven't even seen that and you feel that way, so. I never. I don't feel that way. I feel like she's relatable. I don't feel like she's my best friend. Not your best friend, but yeah. like a that is like reserved for friend. Josh for Josh Freeze. Okay, he's my best friend. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I would say Rolly Crump is my best friend, but I'm only best friends with people who survive. Okay, guys. No. Are you serious right now? It's a joke. 
was supposed to be a funny joke. Okay. My goodness. <laughs> Disneyland After Dark Star Wars Night is back with even more jam-packed galactic entertainment, themed food, drinks, and merch for eight separate nights at the Anaheim theme park. The separately ticketed event will be held April 16th, 18th, 23rd, 25th, 30th, and May 2nd, 7th, and 9th, 2024. So if you're a Star Wars dude with a uh, Star Wars dude, Star Wars nerd with uh, extra money in your pocket in this economy, um, you know, when we have uh, giant corporations raising price, shrinkflation, uh, which is a real thing. Uh, if you can afford to go, go, man, do it. Let me know how it is. I've never been to a Star Wars uh, Star Wars night. Eric, you probably live there. You probably get both. <laughs> they discounts. consulted me on it, and I said, "You know what? You're like, make it dumber, please." <laughs> oh, I would never say that. Yeah, uh, I've have never you, been to Star Wars night. You've I, never been yeah. to Star Wars night. Oh my no. goodness! I I've never been to any of the. I guess the only Disneyland. It's not really an after dark thing. Is I've been to Oogie Boogie Bash. Oh, okay. And the previous one that they had at Disneyland back when they had that there before they moved it to DCA. But I've never been to like a a you know ticketed event Disneyland late night yeah. ticketed event. Yeah. We've been to two. One we got the invited. We got picked to be invited to Cars Land preview. That was fun. that was wild when they I used know. to give cool. things yeah. away. Yeah, that was neat. That was and so then cool. uh, we did the um, Tower of Terror goodbye. Oh, yeah. I remember you talking thing, about which that. was yeah. not worth it. That's it. I think no. We did the Halloween one once. We did Halloween, but it was not Oogie Boogie's Bash no, no, at that it was time. Before it was that, just yeah. Halloween. We're old heads. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was it was cool at Disneyland because you could do like all of Fantasyland in yeah. 10 minutes and get a bag full of candy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or apple fun. slices. Recreate oh, yes. your own. It's a, it basically is Lego for apples. You recreate <laughs> your apple. Build your own apple. Uh, guests are encouraged to dress in their Star Wars best, and those in themed costumes are invited to participate in a special parade. With Mickey and Minnie down Main oh, Street. Oh, that's cute. That's fun. I know. I like that. And bring your lightsaber along um, because you'll get the Star Wars Night lightsaber instructional or the Resistance Show of Unity. Oh, boy. I mean, that's whatever. The, They're going The with instructional it. is don't hit the guy next to you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that kid can't withstand a lightsaber smack to the forehead. Uh, there's a galactic dance party and then there's like themed food and stuff like that. So that's cute. Tickets are $159 for three and up. There is no discount if you, um, can say full sentences. (laughs) Wow. So there you go. Dumb your, your toddlers down, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, right, dude. Yeah. Jeez Louise, man. That is, uh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of dough. Mm -hmm. Speaking of, uh, Disneyland and fun things that happen at the park. Have you guys seen this story going around social where uh, a, a Disney influencer fell into Snow White's wishing well? No, but all, I'm glad all that three they feet. Did. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm super glad this person fell. She was uh, taking a picture, and these people. I mean, look, I'm sure they're fine. Um, maybe I should. Uh, we should. We should see. Yeah, yeah, maybe we should see. Let me get. I got to get back. <laughs> I feel to the like zoom. I need to see this. Uh, but this lady was like sitting on the side of it. Of the well, you know, taking a picture, the influencer picture, basically uh, claiming the spot for herself and, and nobody else could get by. Okay. Um, and uh, she fell backwards into the, into the wishing well. And uh, I think it's very funny. That's not it. Now, this is my reading, guys. <laughs> Light reading, solving the puzzle of long COVID. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do my part. 
Okay. <laughs> I thought you weren't looking this stuff up anymore. I don't look it up, <laughs> but when articles come across my feed, I want to read about them so I can <laughs> post them on Facebook and get people mad at me. And she's falling backwards. There you go. That's it. Mm. <laughs> That's it? That's the video? Basically, literally just her falling backwards. Okay, that mm. was not worth mm. it at all. Okay. What a dummy. Yeah. But also, it's kind of funny. It's hilarious. she's also, like, in a dress. Like, she's dressed up. This is Okay, and this is why I was, like, bringing it up. Because these these people are dressed, like, in princess. So, you know, they're they're trying to be influencers they're trying to do the thing and these are the people i i don't enjoy at the parks like the disney adults who the main character syndrome kind of thing i mean i, I there's a, there's a line between having fun and trying to be a part of the fun and that's i, I don't know whatever but we're uh, having cotillion at disneyland this year <laughs> <laughs> um anyway and so people are like oh she's uh she's trying to sue and she wants compensation but i guess this or what these people reached out to the lady and she's like no I'm not I just okay. went and got like a change of clothes like it's fine <laughs> and she admits her mistake and I guess it's all fun right. like it's just not a serious thing so that's cool that's good um, but I do really love uh, people trying to be popular online actively uh, hurting themselves I know <laughs> it is it is very funny it's very satisfying in some way it's like ASMR for me <laughs> I thought you were gonna say AFV and I was gonna say yes <laughs> no that's not what I was gonna say <laughs> at all same vibe yeah, yeah, basically. Have you guys heard about the big cell service outage that happened today? Yes. That was not affected by it. We were not affected by it at all. But oh, I, that was same. real? I thought, Yeah. I, I actually, I literally did, I, I scrolled past all of that news because I thought that that was like um, conspiracy theorist stuff. I, a lot of it is because oh, okay. a couple of days ago there was like, oh, Russia, Launched a nuke into the space and it's hovering and it's going to be an EMP blast and it's going to invade. Then we're going to invade us or whatever. And it's like they're sending fifty-year-old tanks into Ukraine. They're not going to do anything. <laughs> it's fine. Wait, we weren't invaded. I mean, maybe <laughs> not, we not were. Yet. I don't know. It depends on what side of the aisle you're on. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, but apparently uh, there was a big cell service outage. It was AT and T, and they've since figured it out. They're like, yeah, it's just an update. Tricky update got him, everybody. Yeah. The guy blasted him. Uh, but uh, like it was more SoCal, I think, than NorCal. Okay. And uh, a couple other states were affected by it. And at first people were like, oh, it was a solar flare because there's a big solar flare coming. But yeah. like, that's not it. And then eventually AT&T is like, yeah, my bad. It just <laughs> We just did it. We screwed up. Or maybe they're covering. Maybe it was like a hack. That's what a lot of people were thinking too. Like North Korea hack or whatever because we're always – I mean, we are like our infrastructure is being sort of like under attack constantly by bad actors from North Korea and China and whatever. Right. And it's really not outside of the realm of possibility. I mean, it, no, it's it, so it literally easy. happens, yeah. but they but they fight it. They, yeah. you know, the, the U.S. cybersecurity kind of like stops it. Yeah. And AT&T is no longer on Windows XP. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, they're Windows 95 as of this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Per NBC, 71,000 mobile users reported having no cell service by 8 a.m. Eastern time. The carriers report that the cause of the mass outage is unknown, but like I said, they figured it out now and stated we are working urgently to restore service. Blah, blah, um, you know, blah. blah. On Thursday morning, <laughs> we noticed that Lyft prices for, you know, Lyft, not Uber, right, uh, have skyrocketed following the outage. I don't understand why. <laughs> While trips from the Orlando International Airport to Disney World are usually around $35, they had risen to over $100. That is so weird oh. to me. Why, why like, ride share prices would be elevated in, a, in an outage like this? Well, and what's so odd is, like, you can't 
even if you don't have cell service, you can't even get your ride. You can still do Wi-Fi though. Oh yeah. So they were probably like doing it on on Wi-Fi, but I don't understand. I understand the correlation there. Are all the drivers like, I don't know how to get to the Disney World. I haven't done this three times today. <laughs> oh, right. I guess that could be it. Maybe yeah, they maybe. couldn't. I mean, you don't have Wi-Fi when you're in your car driving. So, uh, well, but it's only AT and T, right? So, so if you're so, T-Mobile or whatever, you're fine, right? So you raise the prices because only those people. You can't Lyft. Lyft does it. Like when you're when you're drive when you're a driver, you don't have control of the prices. No, I understand, but yeah. Lyft is is raising the prices because they don't have enough they won't have enough drivers to be able to handle their normal amount of people. Maybe it's it, it it seems automatic to me. So something triggered that. I think it was I don't think it was a decision made by Lyft. I think it was just probably there was more demand and so it just shot it up, you know. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently there was like, uh, there was an outage in the parks too, where the people were having trouble getting scanned in. It was a whole, it was a whole mess in Disneyland today Dang. and apparently Disney world too. Mm. So that happened. That must've been fun for everybody. Can you imagine oh, yeah. getting so mad? I see TikToks and stuff. People like coming to the store, like the uh, AT&T stores and they're like, this dude's like, they're getting mad at me. Like I've, like I yeah. did something wrong. Right. Just, I just work here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I didn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's it. People can't live without their technology. No, I couldn't. I don't know what I would do. Actually, just give me Wi-Fi. It's fine. I don't really care. I don't need a cell service. No one calls me. I don't call anybody. Well, and text that, so like I handle IT essentially at my at my work, and that's one of the things. Like we're we're going through this, like putting together these emergency things because um, we have power outages, because of fires, because of heat, because of wind. Like all these things cause power outages and. And one of the things that they're like, well, what happens if the Wi-Fi goes down because there's no power and we don't have cell service? And I'm so glad because my boss is like, well, then we have much bigger problems. <laughs> like if the both of those things are not working, mm-hmm. there's a lot. You break wrong. the glass, you pull out your copy of Red Dawn <laughs> and you watch it to learn what's going to happen. Yeah. Like that's it's, what's going on. You're generally going to have one of those. And if you don't, then you use a radio. Like, I, I mean, yeah, what, what do you want? I right. don't know. You can't, you can't solve every problem. No, but you can try. That's for sure. And you can certainly complain about it. Speaking of trying to solve problems, are you aware of the Disney Movie Club, Eric? I'm aware of the Disney Movie Club. I've been a member of the Disney oh. Movie Club for well over a decade. I oh. Well, not anymore because it's <laughs> shutting down. Oh, shoot. Of course it is. Yeah. On Tuesday, it was announced that the Disney Movie Club, the preeminent DVD and Blu-ray subscription service, was shutting down for good. Oh. A longtime staple of the, you're very sad about that. It's that was a gen, like, seemed like a genuine <laughs> awe, not just like your normal like eh, whatever. I'm not really paying attention to you. Well, it's like I, I'm researching eyelash curlers. I guess I just, shut up. <laughs> I feel like I just feel like it's like another thing that like why why close it. What, what is I, it? How is it affecting them? Like, why can't they just let us have anything? I mean, I don't even you, still, what I, do you mean? I don't even know what it is. But yeah. It's so like, <laughs> why are you? How are you? I'm just sad because it's like, I, I think I'm sad because Eric said that he's a part of it. And it's like, <laughs> it's like. Well, so you're trauma collecting. That's yeah, what you're doing. So cool. yeah. Okay, good. I'm sad for Eric. Yeah, I think good. this sucks. That's great. It's going to go to battle for you, Eric. <laughs> well, that's great. I hope they still make physical copies of of movies. I know that's one of the main reasons that they're shutting it down. And that's the main reason I'm a part of it is because when something new comes out, you can get you can get a discount on it. Yeah, uh, sure. Usually there there are deals on other things. It's great because you can get like a lot of old movies 
um, a lot of the old live action stuff you can't find anywhere else other than there. So I've got this. I've I've got a pretty large collection of. I know a place you can discs. find them. <laughs> I don't think you can. Maybe are no um a longtime staple of the physical media community the dmc gave members access to the studios catalog by offering exclusive and often discounted titles like eric was just saying giving collectors a convenient way to receive all of the latest releases by mail following the closure of the club's canadian branch (laughs) jeez louise and the ceasing of physical disney media in australia altogether this news didn't come as much of a surprise Still, for those of us who hold on to DVDs and Blu-rays like the treasures they are, it certainly is disappointing. Eric, what are you going to do with your little baubles? You know uh, what I mean? The, 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 the baubles that came with were rarely, they were, they, were, they were frequently a little annoying. I'm like, what am I going to do with this lithograph of a random scene from a movie? No, just give me the disc. I want to put the disc into my collection so that when the power goes or when the internet goes out up here in the mountains, I can still put on a movie. Yeah. You should just get a, a separate computer, download Plex, it's free, and just rip all your DVDs, and then you have them on your computer. You can watch them whenever you want. Sell your DVDs. Hmm. Done. Easy. That sounds like an awful lot of work when I could just it put is. the DVD into the, <laughs> put the Blu-ray into the, yeah. the Xbox and then watch it because all the discs are right next to it. He has a point. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> Uh, this article is from Paste. It says, ironically, the Disney Movie Club was seeing a resurgence as recently as 2021. Following no new releases since 2019, 2021 saw 16 new Blu-ray exclusives become available, several of which are unavailable to stream, which bugs me. And it bugs a lot of people because Disney Plus was touted as the place to go for mm-hmm. all the Disney stuff. Well, yeah, that, that's this is what's going to make piracy never go away. It's that these you, you sign up for Netflix, you sign up for Hulu, you sign up for Disney Plus, expecting these things to always be there because that's how they were sold. Mm-hmm. And then they learned, oh, we don't have to actually do this. We can right. take these these uh, limited edition shows away like friends and never bring them back. And it's fine. And no, you can't do anything about it. No. It's really annoying. Yeah. Uh, For years, animation fans have been asking for the Black Cauldron on Blu-ray, but in a continuation of Disney's known aversion to the film, it put it off, releasing it until 2021. Oh, I got to go find that. I Um, I have that. (laughs) Other major releases that year included the creepy 80s duo The Watcher in the Woods. Mm -hmm. Eric, have you seen that? Yeah, have that on on disc too. And something wicked this way comes, as well as make mine music. The only I'll Walt Disney you, animation movie still not on Disney Plus. This go, see this goes to what this makes me want to re revisit my idea for a new podcast where it's like watching the live action and breaking it down and like talking like just revolves just around that. Not even just like the movie reviews like we do or we used to do. We don't do anymore because no one cares. Um, no one cares to do them. Um, I think that would be good because I want to see like like Million Dollar Duck and Follow Me Boys again. Like, <laughs> right. talk about those. I think it would be fun. Yeah, be a fun the, thing to do. The computer wore glasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, My son, the shoe, or whatever it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's probably one. Those are weird. Yeah, those are weird times, man. Who I feel knows? like you guys are just Kurt saying Russell. words. I've never heard of anything that you guys just said. Yeah. Well, I think I may have made mine up, but I think there is one <laughs> called like my daughter, the shoe or whatever it is, the tennis shoe that ate my daughter or something like that. Oh, no, that's right. It was the computer wore tennis shoes, not glasses. There you go. We're literally <laughs> we talking go. about the same exact movie. We, we oh both made it up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd like to to reference back to a few years ago when Disney Plus came out. And I remember this quote from Jeremy 
where you were talking to him about Disney Plus, and he said, "You said, are you going to get Disney Plus?" And he shouted, "I am Disney Plus." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny and probably true. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but <laughs> means he has all the stuff already. Doesn't though? It's Jeremy. Well, I know. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's just lying. He's got but, the six movies. But that Eric he is Disney Plus, <laughs> right? Here's another one. Disney is related. Disney is holding back. 20 plus 4K remasters of Fox classics. This report claims that they won't release them at all anywhere. Why? Like what classics? Well, X-Men X3. I don't know. We're going to figure it out. Maybe we're going to dive into the Screen Rant uh, article. Getting it started in the anime. They bought uh, 20th Century Fox in 2019. According to a new report from the Digital Bits. Okay. 20 classic titles from the Fox catalog have been remastered in 4K, but Disney currently has no plans to release them. This means no uh, video-on-demand release, no Disney Plus release, and no physical media release. The potential silver lining here, as outlined in the report, is that Sony Pictures Home Entertainment has inked a deal to handle all of Disney's physical media releases going forward. There you go, Eric. You were hoping they were still going to produce physical media? Sony is going to do it now. Cool. Weird. I know. Uh, this person saying it could mean a streamlining of the company's physical media production process and maybe a release for some of these titles that they're holding on to now in the near future. So maybe they're holding on to them because they knew this deal was going to go through with Sony. So they're like, we're not going to, mm. we're going to shutter everything now and then hold on to them and, and, and see how everything goes. But um, hmm. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hey, I'll buy more discs. It, you know, the ma- one of the main reasons that we really started getting into physical media, well, I guess it was, Back in Chicago, where we actually had decent internet, but we had to run a, a very, very long Ethernet cable from the wall to our to our Xbox to to stream early Netflix stuff. Hell yeah! But uh, the other main reason it was collecting the points that you would get from the the, the reward points. This is what our friend Charlie, our announcer friend Charlie, um, did. Yeah, and he was like saving up to do a thing, and I don't know that he's going to be able to do the thing now. Was it the Disney Studio Tour? The Disney Studio Tour, absolutely. There we go. That's yeah, right. Because we've done it once, and we now have enough points to do it a second time. Whoa! So might need it. to be a show thing if they're going to shut down doing more of this. But we at least have enough for 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 a uh, what is it, a six person tour? So yeah, maybe there we go. Cool. Get get that that Terrence and and Bev back on. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like they would do it. <laughs> have them head up to Burbank. I'm trying to read this article to see if they listed what shows or what movies they've remastered and aren't releasing because it's like an insider um, thing. But uh, and they still haven't. No one put says. it in the article. Yeah, no one says. So uh-huh. I don't know how much of that I believe. It's kind of one of those things where you can't really prove anyway. So you're kind of <laughs> like, I don't know. Let's just say this. Maybe it was Meet Me in St. Louis or the Philadelphia story. I don't know <laughs> if those are Fox. The Philadelphia boys. Okay, we have some more news, but we're getting late. So let's let me try one more. Not that one. That's really boring. <laughs> mm, that one's it's about the Philadelphia story. <laughs> that one's kind of sad. Um, yeah, that one's angry. <laughs> this one's angry, too. You know what? We're done. Okay. We're going to be done. Because there's a lot of like uh, not really good news. Mm. And uh, it's too late to get into that. And we don't want to end on a, on a angry or sad note. Yeah. I mean, I can give you the headlines, but, uh, you know, basically Florida is being Florida and having permission <laughs> slips required for students to see Tangled and stuff like that. Oh, 
Oh my. Okay. Yeah. Tangled. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't uh, need to guess leave why. this getting super annoyed. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in. I appreciate it. Look, if you are out and about and you're running around and you want a nice cold beer. Find out where the 21st Amendment is selling their beers on the 21st Amendment website. You can go to 21st-amendment.com. Go to their beer locator. They're in over, seven, uh, over 70. I literally almost said over 75 states. And that's not true. <laughs> They're in over 35 U.S. states serving you the best beer you can get. And I'm going to tell you, that beer actually travels really well. There's a lot of breweries that don't put a lot of effort into their packaging, or at least as much. They don't invest as much as Sully has done with the 21st Amendment. So the beers travel very, very well from California to wherever you are. Check them out. 21st Amendment. They're uh, great beers. And if your place doesn't carry them, have them ask, please. Mm-hmm. Please, 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 please. Hell or high watermelon, all the various flavors that are out there. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's watermelon season again. It's and uh, there, yeah, good sure. stuff over there, 21st Amendment. So thank you very much to them for supporting the show. Thank you very much for supporting the show. If you want to support the show in different ways, you can go to our Etsy page, which is etsy.com slash shop slash ears up now, I guess. You know, churroshirt.com. That also works too. Hey, there we go. We got the Bob Chapek. Uh, Misfits tea. We got uh, we got a bunch of t-shirts up there. And if you want to join the Patreon, that's a really great way to do it as well. It's five bucks a month. You can subscribe and you get the secret show, which by the way, if you're listening live, we are going to be doing the secret show. We haven't figured it out. Maybe Sunday night, maybe Monday. I think Brandy sounds like Brandy's going to be out of town. So it might be boys night only. You know what I'm kind of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Ribbing it up, taking some drinks, talking some news. Love it. It'll be a good time. But you get that show. You get all the other <laughs> secret stuff that we have. We get Puny Pod has some stuff. Uh, I think After Hours uh, from the Supreme Resort folks. I don't know what goes on. I have no idea anymore. I've given all that up to RGH. He he seems to do it more than I do. So Yeah. Call call Ryan. Yeah. You call Ryan. His number is 619-487. <laughs> I don't know whose number that is. Don't call. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We'll see you.